I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, West World. There we go. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Welcome, welcome to the The One Show show, the The One Show show, where we analyse recent episodes of no one's favourite broadcasting equivalent of watching paint dry, The One Show. And look, here's Giles Brandreth visiting a paint drying factory in Leamington Spa to look at the fascinating way in which paint is dried. If you're just joining us... Here's what it is. Conceived in a pub, we thought, given all the analytical podcasts about programmes like The Walking Dead and Westworld or whatever, what's the programme we could do that for that least deserves it? Answer, The One Show. And here we are, making a rod for our own backs. And here's Giles Brandreth, visiting a back rod-making factory in Leamington Spa. No, it isn't. I made that up. In fact, it's this week's guest, staring like you do if you've seen it, at their television, jaws agape at around 7 o'clock in the evening. This week, writer and producer and host of the uh, Two Cups of Tea podcast, Chris Heath, and now a uh, regular man, I'm going to say, an all-round Mark Haynes, entering like the one show guests do from the back of the studio to scant applause. Mark Haynes as well. What is up? What is up? Yeah, here we are. So this is episode two, of course, which means, well, you and I, Mark, have certainly mm. watched two weeks worth of the one show now and we're seeing the problem in doing this podcast is we have to watch the one show yeah i've watched more of the one show than any single person should have to watch and i include that the people who work on the show and our exact producers <laughs> exactly of it. or yeah. editors of it <laughs> yeah you have to watch the same bit over and over again well chris <laughs> you said to me earlier you said i've never been given homework quite like this before 
Yeah, two episodes. It's more than anyone can bear, really. I mean, listen, and I say that as a card-carrying fan of the one show. I like the show. I like how decent it is. Yeah. Well, it is. It's wholesome, isn't it? That's it the is. point. It is. And do you know what? It's a little bit like, you know, the people who watch Countryfile on a Sunday so they can get their little kick of, like, it's like having been outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same for that, you know, I, it's, if you're feeling morally bereft, you can watch a bit of the one show and feel a bit more decent. You're right about Countryfile. It's people who want to have been at, go outside. And this is for people who want to spend some time in an insane asylum. Who <laughs> <laughs> are sort of missing that in their life. There was a bit on an episode that happened on Friday where they had, it, it, the sun was out and they went on this absolutely mad piece where they filmed people all around Britain. Oh my God, And there I was a poem, it. and it's like those poems they do for banks nowadays. Because banks can't say, we've got good interest rates or we'll give you a mortgage. They now have to go, how can we do this creatively? Let's get an honest salt of the earth lady to do a poem about how good our bank is. And it was like that, but it was about being British. It's going from protecting that chilly head to dads wearing a look all their kids dread. Four men in a barbie enjoying a few, arguing whether it'll burn in one minute or two. It's knowing that after months of gloom, nature is out in full bloom. The only thing it was sort of like was if you watch V for Vendetta. <laughs> It would be the kind of thing they had as the last thing that played before the national anthem and then the curfew kicked in. <laughs> it was properly nuts. It was, I think the thing... I saw exactly the same one, and I think the thing I noticed about it was that it had the ambition of those... You know, the perfect day, the Lou Reed thing, that had all those amazing music <laughs> stars, or that God only knows, we have all these people in the Albert Hall. It had the ambition of that, but it had the production values of, like, a forklift health and safety video. <laughs> and, in, and instead, was... of, instead of Heather Small, you had a man who wasn't good at reading poetry. <laughs> oh, I tell you what it reminded me of. You know, in the letters pages of The Sun, you get little ladies who'd written poems going, Oh, I love my daily sun, full of news and all so some fun and it was just the, just the complete lack of any scanning yeah. I'm just thinking really what you've you've, you've summed it up There's, there is an ambition there for the whole one show experience <laughs> the, 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 both the budget and sort of what's allowed because I all the people that make it as we know are decent people just trying to make good television yes but they are well, I, I, in fairness John they're trying to make television <laughs> Sometimes they make some television. Yeah. Now, you see, the interesting thing about having Chris here is, Chris, you actually work in primetime family entertainment TV. So yeah, all of last year. All of last year, I worked in amongst the one show, the one show family, the people who make the one show films. Embedded. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it, it was in a deep cover, just hoping that a podcast like this <laughs> would, would happen. And thank fucking Christ it has. Because now I'm like the whistleblower. Yeah. No, do you know what? I'm, there's a, there's a bunch of amazingly talented producers, you know, slumming it. Can't get work elsewhere. <laughs> who are making, <laughs> you know, who make some fun? And there's some fantastic stuff on there. There really is. Among, there really amongst is. the stuff, you know, the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was, a, they, they had a lady on who was called Dame Stephanie Shirley, a woman you've never heard of. And two first names. She yeah. is the. Uh, she was a pioneer in the software industry who decided that she would only employ other women. She felt she'd hit the glass ceiling too many times. This was last Wednesday's episode, right? And yeah. she was a remarkable woman. She'd. Uh, Sold her company in the end, 
and she'd given away 24% of the company to the women she worked with. And overnight, 70 of the women who worked for her became millionaires. And she's now dedicated herself solely to charity. So they'd worked on things like the Black Box for Concord, and they all worked from home. And she was remarkable. And I'd never heard of her, and I wouldn't have heard of her if it wasn't for the one show. I watched it, I thought exactly the same thing, and I was thinking this, and I even wrote down, actually really good. Those are the three (laughs) words. Because you know what, I learned something about a woman I'd never heard of, who changed the face of, of how women work in industry you're yeah. absolutely right and, and there was a great bit when she said uh, where she said what we used to do said we had to work from home we had babies and we weren't allowed the glass ceiling existed we couldn't and she worked in financial software didn't she and, mm. and she said and I realised that I wanted women to work with me and I put one advert in my local paper and got inundated with women who just had babies who just wanted to work and they used to bring their babies to work with them these play- and she said and to, to cover up the sound of babies crying they used to play a tape and she had this old tape machine all reel to reel with a recording of she just recorded some typing on it and she had it playing in the background whenever she took a phone call <laughs> as though it was a busy office and I thought women are fucking sneaky aren't they? That's, 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 that's what we've learned here. she also did another thing where she said she didn't get any responses to her letters when she put them out she was Stephanie Shirley so she said my nickname as a child was Steve Steve Shirley and when she wrote Steve on the letters they all got back again Reiterates, women are very, very duplicitous. They are really. I mean, it all began began with me with George Eliot. I mean, that's. (laughs) (laughs) She gave £68 million to charity, but unfortunately, the stain of being dishonest (laughs) is one that cannot be assuaged by charity. So, while she did good things for women in the workplace, right, that dishonesty has meant that actually there's still a massive gender pay gap. That's her fault. They asked her, they said, what's the sort of good advice that you could give anyone listening? She said, the most important thing, don't fritter your days away. Now, that's something that I didn't need to hear when I'd been watching three episodes of The One Show for a podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Broke my heart. Chris, we like to uh, have certain features, which we will... Much like the one, the one Show does, it sort of... It's sort of you're going to do exactly what The One Show does. them on the ground. And you're suddenly going to, as a guest of this podcast, you're going to do yeah. what they do and spring something on me I'm not comfortable with. Exactly right. <laughs> and it's it's a very simple one for you, though, and it's it's this. It's a fantasy... Uh, it's a, in many ways, a fantasy feature. Hello. You know, unlike The Walking Dead, where they discuss the character deaths in depth yes. this week on their podcast... Well, admittedly, no one as yet on the one show has died. But if they were to, which one show presenter slash guest slash package presenter would you like to see die and how? Well, if I was answering honestly, I would say the one who irritates me is the the, the lispy nature guy. Um, but that, that's quite mean spirited. So, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Just because I don't like him, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. But. I quite like the whole dysfunctional... When they say oh, it's the one-show family, it's part of the one-show family. It's this big, bloody Adams family-style, <laughs> lumpy, mismatched, weird, dysfunctional gang. And if I wanted to see anyone go, I'd like to... Do, what they used to do in Dynasty back in the day was, I'd like to see Alex Riley die and come back as someone who doesn't look like a Why Don't You presenter. <laughs> He's like he's like someone from Grange Hill who's grown up. It's like he was in an old CBBC Gruy type show. <laughs> Did you hear the bit where they played the Grange Hill theme this week? No. <laughs> they opened one of the shows and they were talking about playground games. Yeah. And they decided to do a thing where they opened it and said, who are our guests going to be? And the celebrity guests were in the audience of floor managers and runners who are forced to stand there. <laughs> like, like you would be in a Stalinist regime if you were a minor member. 
And they had a thing where they sort of went, well, let's pick our teams. Well, first, we do need some guests. <laughs> and in true playground fashion, we are going to pick teams, aren't we? We are. Uh, well, so, go on, you go first. Right, yeah. I'm going to go for... Okay. I'll go for Dougray Scott. Oh, oh Dougray Scott. OK, in that case, Al, in that case, I'm going to go for... Oh, go back, go back, go back. I'm going to have Shappy Corsandy. The joke was the floor manager, Dave, was really hoping to be allowed to come onto the yeah. sofa. I did think, though, I mean, Dougray Scott, uh, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. He was jet-lagged and he was not on fire during this interview. Uh, well, I've interviewed Dougray Scott before and actually, uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> that's <laughs> the state of yeah, that's just uh, He tends to be like that. Shappy Sandy oh, was oh. telling her story about her show, which was quite a hard sell. It was a historical sort of one-woman show. And Hugh Dennis was doing a charitable thing about the trial of Richard III. Yeah. I felt that if they'd have brought Dave the floor manager on and gone Dave for one show only spill your guts tell us who in TV's a prick <laughs> <laughs> that hour would have flown by it was the, the, that episode where you're right that was a lineup, wasn't it Hugh Dennis and DeGray Scott and Shabby Kazandi and, and they each had to have their moment in the sun and this was on this is the Wednesday show which is much longer oh. than it normally it's normally half an hour yeah. but on a Wednesday it's an hour it's an hour on a Wednesday why I, I, I don't know I mean I mean they must know the one show struggles to fill half an hour, five or four yeah. days a week. Why suddenly they go, so what we should do is double the length on a Wednesday, the traditional hump day that people have <laughs> really struggle to do their jobs on. In a weird way, it's the consummate one show episode of the week. Because uh, it, well, it was. all it, the problems are magnified. It was it's exactly that. There was that beautiful, I mean, there were so many. And I, I, you know, another feature we like to do is mm. that sort of tenuous link, but how to get from one item to the other. And there were so yes. many examples in this. Mm. And the one with Hugh Dennis, where they were talking about, because it was the royal baby and stuff. Uh, and you know, oh, born and, and they're going, oh, royal. I mean, that's like catnip to the one show, isn't it? They were like so <laughs> excited about this Holly. Um, and so they go, well, they have, they've got three children now. Um, uh, the, the, they come out with this little package about it, talking about it, and the Duke and Duchess are <laughs> outnumbered. So Hugh Dennis, <laughs> tell oh. us about the now show. No, they don't. <laughs> tell us about you know that sh the outnumbered which you wrote. Yes. And he went. I well, I didn't write it. I was just in it. And you're just you're just going. Right, so your research has gone... So you've got Hugh Dennis and you think he wrote out numbered as well. Do you know what was even worse about that? Is when they said to him, and it was Alex, she said, well, you wrote out numbered, what's it mm. like dealing with all those kids? And he said, which is unusual for an actor, <laughs> he said, no, actually, I, I didn't write that. No, I was just, I just appeared in it. Yeah. And Alex just responded, oh, you could have taken that. You could have run with it. <laughs> which is... Yeah, also, you could have stolen that. And no one would have known apart from everyone who cares. And listen, they're only writers. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. They're worthless. They're scum. Our industry does not need fucking writers. Fuck them. Right. Line them up and shoot them. God bless you, Dennis, for coming down on the side of the angel. I mean, but the point is the Duke and Duchess are now outnumbered, which brings us beautifully to you, who obviously uh, named your sitcom. I mean, what advice would you have then, you know, having written all those episodes? What, what advice well, would you Well, I was in them, I didn't write them. Yeah, but you could have taken that and just gone with that. I could have gone you with it and taken it <laughs> and then got lots and lots of letters. But being in it, yeah. I mean, you know, they, well, yeah. what advice then would you give? But, but can I, I mean, can I flip-flop to another daytime show now? Because I bet this is exactly this amazing thing happened with poor research. Uh, years ago, and I was watching an episode of This Morning, and it was Maidley interviewing Richard uh, Robert Llewellyn, who plays Crichton in Red Dwarf. Yes. 
And they came off the back of this clip in which Crichton is upset or jealous because Lister's hanging out with someone else. He's going, oh, Mr Lister, sir, why must you hang out with him? Why, why must you do that? And they came off the back of that clip and Richard Madeley says, oh, big fan of the show, watch it all the time. Tell me, though, uh, Robert, is it not annoying having to do that high voice all the time? <laughs> and he said, no, that was just that clip. He said, my voice is... <laughs> he just went, yeah, great. <laughs> I just thought, that's how you're brazen it out. Yeah, style it. That package they came off that they went to you, Dennis, as well, this was, this was again... So we've gone to the streets of Tunbridge Wells. Royal Tunbridge Royal Wells. Tunbridge Wells, I beg your pardon. Mm, of course how you dare have, you. To talk about the royal baby name, which hadn't been announced. So they're going, so, so what do you think it should be, people of Tunbridge Wells? And yeah. It's a variety of people. The full diversity of Tunbridge Wells, which yeah. isn't that diverse. Which is, they found one person of colour and they were from America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just a tourist. <laughs> Look at this little man. He's the little royal oh. baby, the new little baby. Oh, Any ideas about what they should call him? Oh, Louis. Call him Louis. Louis would be good, wouldn't it? Tarquin. Tarquin. I think they should go Kennedy for some reason. Kennedy. Yes. It's very American, but I, I, <laughs> I think that's a bold name. What's your I, name? My name's Keith Roy. Keith Roy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really unusual name. That was all it was. The package was just. Her asking people on the street their names. Yes, it was. That was it. Clearly none of them had anything interesting to say because they cut so fast between each one of them. Mm. What's your name? Trevor. Great. Nice to meet you, Trevor. What's your name? Yeah. Oh, the best one of that. Is there a funny story behind that? Nope. No. <laughs> they so met a guy on. called Stephen in the street and they said to him, so, do you know why you're called Stephen? And he said, no, no. My brother was called Paul after <laughs> Paul McCartney. And that, that was one that they kept in. They didn't go, well, that didn't work. They went, good, tick, good. Yeah. They met a guy called Kamal. And uh, Jasmine, who is the woman who does A Place in the Sun, who I think is a brilliant presenter. I really like her. Uh, she did a really, really good documentary about her mum being a hoarder. But she went up with a guy, a guy and she, he, she said, what's your name? And he said, uh, my name's Kamal. And she said, do you think that's a name fit for a prince? And he said, well, maybe in Saudi. <laughs> Funniest man there. Yeah. But that meant they went back to the, the, the studio and they said, so, you know, what, what do you think that we should call the Royal Baby? And Shabby Sandy said, well, we should call him Mo Farah. And uh, Matt Baker said, oh, well, Mohammed Farah. And yeah, there was a yeah, moment there, there where was you a go, moment. oh, you've just, you've just walked into some really worrying territory where you are basically saying that the Royal Baby should be called, in our Brexit times, Muhammad, right? <laughs> and you could see them all going. This is a, a nightmare, an absolute, an absolute nightmare. Uh, what do we think? Well, we actually, we were having a little chat, weren't we, during that? So well, I, I think, given his amazing performance in London Marathon, Mo Farah would make quite a good name. Yeah. There's a whole lot, though. Just more Farah. More just Farah. 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 <laughs> but just bring it together. Yeah, or yeah. Mohammed Farah yeah. now, because that's yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Mohammed yeah. Farah, yeah. I think Do you know what they need in situations like that? They need a little a, a little laminated card with five emergency handbrake turn <laughs> links. So that if anything like that happens and they get themselves in deep water, they can go, anyway, who here's got asthma? <laughs> or, or just, because Giles Brandreth has, and he's got quite... You know, just, yeah, they need, just, they need not, some emergency films to cut to. Like, just go straight to it. Yeah. Here's Giles in an asthma factory. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people in Britain know that it's made and quite near Daventry. Uh, Giles Brandreth was actually presenting one of the shows this week. Uh, he was he on got with... his yellow coat. <laughs> he did. Oh, Miss Cathcart. <laughs> <laughs> was, as, and it's funny when you see... I mean, I still do think of Giles Brandreth as being a Tory MP, by all sort of accounts. He was a friendly and decent 
Tory MP. I don't really have a problem with that. But it is funny when you see someone who used to be in the Houses of Parliament and Alex Jones introduces them with a line... He's a little ray of sunshine for the weekend. It's Giles Blandreth. Yeah. Yeah, this man used to be a whip in the Treasury. Yeah. What a strange journey he's been a on. A little ray of sunshine. <laughs> there was but a, the, the, the best thing about, about Brandreth is he's got quite a quite a full-on stare. Mm. Like to the guest, like, he looks like he's about to go, what have you been sleeping with my wife? <laughs> but then he asks him some lovely question because he just, he's got that stare like something horrific's going to come out of his mouth. But I've, there's a couple of times I've been name dropping now. I've worked with him. He's delightful, but he doesn't listen to a word you say. And whenever you talk to him, whatever you say, he'll go, good for you. <laughs> good for you. And he go, yes. And then it turns out, and then did that, and he'll go, good for you. Oh, good that for you. That is a great phrase. You don't need to listen with that. Exactly. I'm good for you. That. I'm adopt that. It's brilliant. There was, a, there was a nice bit on last Monday's show where they, it was a hot day. It was another hot day. Harry Hill, uh, as you said, was on. And at the beginning, it was one of those things where they show a bit of something and then try to involve the guest, as we've mm. talked, talked about before. There was a, a film, a tiny little clip of a, of a giraffe licking a <laughs> lollipop. But it was a giant giraffe lollipop. And then he cut back to Matt Baker and just went, that's a giraffe. <laughs> we know it's a giraffe. Harry, what did you make of the giant the giraffe licking a giant lollipop? And Harry was just like, you know, I want to be anywhere else but here. Oh. Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Hans Solit did for a job. <laughs> You don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while <laughs> being punched correct. in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, Ben more, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But then they, they said about guests, and you talk about Charles Brandes presenting the films and everything yeah. else, but, but they've got, well, I don't know if they're doing this deliberately, but they're presenters of mm. the films now with the names of much more famous people. <laughs> right, okay. So the Harry Hill program was on, and then they went, uh, coming up, Michael Douglas yes. is meeting a group of dads who are bonding with their daughters by learning to style their hair. And I'm going, this is going to be brilliant. Michael Douglas is the celebrity hairdresser, Michael Douglas. Oh. Of course. Not see, that Michael See, I Douglas. didn't watch that show and I just had exactly the same disappointment you would have I suffered. Really did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I really That makes me think that Michael Douglas, the hairdresser, is not a member of Equity, the union. And in the old days, to be on television and not be a member of Equity was absolutely impossible. Yeah. I don't want to cast aspersions on his politics but he is destroying the unions that made this great industry from the inside out. Well, speaking yeah. of Hugh Dennis, actually, here's a little Hugh Dennis anecdote, well, which if he's listening to this... Hugh Dennis, as we talk about unions being smashed... Oh, listen, Hugh Dennis isn't called Hugh Dennis. I, I know it's a shock, right? but the reason he isn't called... I, 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 can I? Yeah. Uh, the reason he isn't called Hugh Dennis is because he's called Pete Dennis, right? Mm. Uh, but he went to join Equity back when he was you know, mm. starting off, and there was already a Pete Dennis... Right. So he applied, applied to be Pete Dennis, and, and then the, a note came back saying, you can't be Pete Dennis because there's another Pete Dennis. I think it was probably before Google, but either way, he, I think I'm right saying he did a bit of research and found out that the other Pete Dennis had not worked mm. in acting for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. So he pointed that out, and they said, well, you need to write to the membership secretary. So he wrote, said, I think I could be Pete Dennis because of this. And he got a letter back saying, you can't be. From Pete Dennis, <laughs> who was the membership secretary. <laughs> That's really good. And credit as well for Alex, who who she she is the most extreme uh, accent on British television. I, and I love the fact that there's no sense of you know knocking the edges off, or she's been in London for a load of years and she's losing her accent. She has the strongest Welsh accent in the world, and it is beautiful to hear. It was sp- particularly good. Particularly good when she's dealing with Hugh Dennis because she just calls him who, like <laughs> like, like an owl has been punched in the belly. Who? <laughs> so tell us about outnumbered who <laughs> that you wrote. <laughs> there was a, again talking about those sort of uh, strange handbrake turns. Yeah, yeah, uh, Chris. The, 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 this one in this one, they went from uh, you know, please, please send us your photos of hair humiliation uh-huh. after off the back of this, not that Michael Douglas package. humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> Humiliation. <laughs> and then they went, and while that was going on, and they're going, oh, funny hair. Have you ever cut your hair right yourself and it's all gone wrong? <laughs> but first, to the Isle of Skye and the controversial issue of salmon farming. And then there was a bloke who just, the words which have just stuck in my mind mm. from, I think, from all of this week's one shows were, what we're seeing here, this is the reporter, what we're seeing here is a forklift tipping big industrial bins full of dead salmon into a skip. And I thought, if that's not a metaphor for the one show... (laughs) I don't know what it is. And I almost want a new feature of the week where we go, a sentence from the one show... Yeah. That describes the one show. uh, That it's hinting. We we talked last week about... It's called Full Circle. (laughs) The one show goes full circle. We talked last week about the one show becoming self-aware, knowing it's doing the handbrake turns. It's become sentient. (laughs) (laughs) The, the, The interesting thing about that is... 
picking out those bits where we go, is someone trying to give us a cry for help? Is is the junior producer who's putting those scripts together trying to make it clear they're not enjoying their job? Yes. <laughs> let's let's just, find that. Just like when you see the laser gun sights on Matt Baker's head and you go, oh, I'm not happy. There are clearly some Maverick producers working there because they had a big section on Wednesday show, which was telling the tale of the 1983 hoax tape which is a conversation between Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan that was put out by the anarchist band Crass. Argentina's the invader. Force has been used. With this clue, it appeared the culprit was a lot closer to home. In 1984, anarcho-punk band Crass came forward and admitted they were behind the hoax. The band's frontman, Steve Ignorant, has agreed to meet me at legendary music venue, The 100 Club. A story which had no particular relevance. They were talking about sort of fake news, but it was a strange thing to sort of go, why am I watching John Culshaw doing a five-minute piece about a narco-punk band Crass and who, one of their who, hoaxes but, but, from the 80s? But, but I don't think John Culshaw is a fan of. <laughs> but but, but you know what? I think that's one of the things that in defence of The One Show, in defence of, of, you know, of, of what it is and what it provides... I quite like that it's a curate's egg full of any old shit. Yes. Yeah. Because I, it's, it's that, and I'll tell you exactly the, the, the point that I had the same realisation. They had um, Grown Up Why Don't You presenter Alex Riley talking about three different stories of three different kinds of Queen. <laughs> and one of them was Jeanette Charles, who was in The Naked Gun, yeah. and was in all of these, you know, was the, the most sooty. <laughs> uh, well, she was in all sorts. She was in, you know, like, uh, well, she, she was Mike she was Yarwood. The Russells, yeah. Mike Yarwood, she yeah. was always the Queen. Whenever Stanley Baxter was ill, she was the Queen. And, you know, fuck Thor, fuck Marvel, mm. that was the origin story I had never heard before. Yeah. They had Jeanette Child's origin story, which was how it came about was she had a portrait done by an artist of herself to give to her husband. And then the artist said, bloody hell, she looks exactly like the Queen. <laughs> Recommended to an agent, and that's where it came from. And there's no nowhere else on earth that you can hear the origin that. story yeah. no, true, of, true. of Jeanette Charles. I liked that uh, episode there as well, being the, and the prank thing. That, because, the, the, again, the, the, we got this handbrake turn of the week yeah. um, where... Uh, I don't know whether this was the one of the week. There were so many. This, this week. is my handbrake turn this, of the week. This, this is the best one I heard. This was good, wasn't it? It was. It was uh, the plane the, outside on the forecourt. They call it a piazza. I noticed yeah. this. Week, yeah, we, we call it the garage forecourt. It's a forecourt. They, they all that's happening out there is the equivalent of charcoal bricks. <laughs> uh, it was a uh, children playing uh, well, ad, adults playing children's well, playground. Worth mentioning, there are about thirty people there, and from the crowds behind the barriers, the barriers are not needed. From the crowds behind the barriers, <laughs> of course not one not. of their sarcastic. Friends Barriers. <laughs> Not one of these 30 people's friends oh. or family had turned up to see them be on TV. There was no one there. Absolutely no one. And they were chucking these balls around, weren't they? Playing a bit too hard. British Bulldog, British yeah. this, thingy that, old games. And then uh, Matt Baker just, just went, well, uh, they're watching it through the window. Going, we'll have a go. <laughs> we'll have a go in a minute. We'll have a go in a minute. That looks such fun. We'll have a go in a minute. Uh, it looks like really great fun. Anyway, from the playground to a prank that nearly sparked a serious diplomatic incident. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I love to, that. And Too I genuinely good. was thinking, what is this going to be? And then it came up with John Culshaw, who I love, yeah. talking about his prank when he phoned Tony Blair as um, William Hay. Mm. And I thought, 
This didn't spark a diplomatic incident. I remember, you know, I know this story. It didn't. Uh, no, it wasn't that. That was just their way in. So some producer, as you said, had just gone. That's a handbake three point. <laughs> <laughs> some producer had just gone. Who once did a prank? John Culshaw did. Is he available? Yeah, yeah, he'll do it. Come uh, on. They must in the production office while the show's going out. They must be high fiving over the handbrake turns. Yeah. Mm. There's no, yeah. you know, it's a bit like in the the sneaky sub editors in local papers when they talk about a mast debate. <laughs> about phone mass. This must be like that when they go, bloody hell, we've got a belter away. I, I, I do sometimes wonder that there are documentaries that in the old days would have been half an hour or an hour that are being lost because they go, do you know where this would fit really well? Five minutes on the one show. Yeah. That This crash documentary felt to me like something that someone had been working on for a couple of years, yeah. hadn't got away, and they'd gone, do you know what, give us the headlines and we'll stick it on the one show. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. That's so it's like a sort of graveyard for yeah. people's really good ideas. What There was a really strange one that actually shows that this is not something that is cobbled together either. So there was a really, really strange piece where Jay Rayner <laughs> went to... <laughs> The easiest way to explain this is he went to see a £35 lump of Irish butter which came from the 12th century. <laughs> I can imagine that pitch meeting. Right. So I've got an hour-long documentary about a £35 lump of butter from the 12th century. Stick it on the one show in five minutes. Yeah. And this had been dug up by a farmer who worked in peat bogs, cutting up peat. It had been dug up? And he, oh, he yeah. dug up this, this uh, thousand-year-old uh, big round blob of butter. And he told the story of how he found it. He was 92, and, I mean, he's never been off his farm. God bless him. Is this true? This is true. Yeah. And he was he was digging up the peat, and he and he noticed this great big sort of glowing <laughs> glob. And he said, I, 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 he stuck a stick in it, and uh, he took it back to his wife. And his wife, he, he said, and my wife, she, she took it after knitting needle, and she said, that's bog butter. <laughs> right? So they found... I think she just coined that there and then, didn't she? Because that is not a thing. No, don't don't let my (laughs) racist accent put you off. I think let's listen to the real thing now. So, Jack, tell me, what happened that day you were up here on this windy bog? I was cutting away at the top, and all of a sudden we seen this wee white thing sitting out of the bog bank, and I thought maybe it was a stone. And it amounted up that it was this big ball that come out of the side of the turf bog. What did your wife say? Oh, what in the name of God have you found in the bog? Then she got a big, um, big knitting needle, you know, about that length. And she put it down through the middle of it. And she pulled the needle up and she could run the thick buttery stuff up the end of the needle. And she says, that's bog butter. One. So... That was the that was the guy. So what Jay then does is he goes, well, that's very interesting. What would happen if I buried some butter now? What? And we came back to it in a year's time, right? And I thought, fucking hell, they are <laughs> very confident about the fact they're going to be on air in a year's time. I did exactly that. I was watching it going, going oh, my, what a cliffhanger. Yeah. Just to do was, a dairy time capsule. Yeah. If, there was, if there's any way to get me still watching the one show in a year, and it won't be this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's when he goes back and digs up that yeah. butter. Can, well, you let me make what, it clear. can you imagine what Davina would say if you went on this time next year with that? <laughs> she would tell you to fuck off. <laughs> the worst thing about it was... They fooled us all! Because it then had a, an Aston come up that said, a year later. <laughs> so they did this a year ago, right? And he goes back and he goes and digs up the fucking pack of supermarket butter he's, he's buried. He buried some bread and an apple. Now... 
the interesting <laughs> thing about what's happened with these, the bread looked like vomit, uh, and he went, oh, that's not really worked at all. The apple had gone rotten. Mm. Oh, that didn't work. Yeah. The butter, it was also mouldy, but he ate it. So Because what else could he do? <laughs> yeah. so he had to, at the end of the... He ate it, and he went... Oh, that's that's not really worked. That's uh, <laughs> no, that's that's not good at all. Um, it, it tastes of it tastes very goaty. Oh, not good. The end. A year's work. <laughs> a year's work to work out where the butter goes off. I feel sorry for the. I feel sorry for the little researcher whose item that was with a little advent calendar from a month from before. <laughs> oh, nearly time. Any day now. <laughs> a no year's point. worth. This. I've arrived in telly. This will be. At oh. No point. Did one of them go? I can't believe it's not. No, nobody no, did it. Nothing. You're like, oh come on. Nothing. A, a, a thousand-year-old butter. I must admit though, and I, and I think this is well thought on on their behalf. Because if I'd have known that that was sitting there for a year and, and they weren't going to go back to it for another year, I'd be down there like a shot to dig it up and ruin yeah, yeah, it. That's why they did it. Yeah. Because they know what the British people are like. <laughs> the British people, by and large, because, are arseholes. Yeah, okay, so yeah, we'll do this and leave it for a year. No one will touch it. Why won't they? Because British people, that's why. <laughs> yes. Well, let's dig up the butter. Oh, it's a load of, oh. it's a load of Johnnies. And a, <laughs> and a picture of someone giving me the finger. <laughs> So, again, back to the handbrake turn. The way they got into this sequence, this was spectacular. So they were talking to Hugh Dennis. There is he is, Pete Dennis. <laughs> Equity reject Pete Dennis. Uh, A.K.A. who Dennis. Yeah, Ooh. Being, talking about this Shakespeare charity thing he's doing with some kids to get Shakespeare to uh, schools or whatever it was. And Alex said, right, we've been talking to who Dennis um, about, about Richard III. Who, and this hadn't been mentioned, who again? You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the who. She does actually say, when she says who, she says you. Hugh. Hugh's going to be in the theatre. And who? Hugh's body. You're just saying variations of the word Hugh. What's going on? Hugh's body has been found, had been found under a car park in Leicester. So, let's talk about buried treasure. And that was the way into the bog butter. It's been buried in the butt. A body is treasure. <laughs> what, um, what on earth? I don't. I wouldn't find a body and in, also, in, in some woods and think, oh, treasure. And also, that's a really way to oversell the mouldy butter they're about to fucking dig up. But I'm talking of buried treasure, oh, it's disgusting. I like as well that butter. It has one real role, and that's to be eaten. And this was not eatable. Yeah. So. Why are you we had celebrating? One job, butter. Yes. Why are we celebrating this butter that none of us can use? I mean, it was basically an ancient fat burger. It was. <laughs> That's all it was. Two kids piss on it. <laughs> Uh, there was another. Um, I keep dwelling on these handbrake turns. I know it, it's it's sort of it's the it's the spine of the show, isn't it? It's yeah. what it's it's it raison d'être. It, it really is. is. They had Ruth Jones on BAFTA winning mm. actress, writer, yeah. and she's written a book uh, which you've probably seen. You know, they were they were trying to involve her and all the rest of it. They talked about a book. It's called Never Greener. Mm -hmm. And then to get out of Luke, Ruth Jones into the next bit, uh, <laughs> they just said it. And uh, Ruth Jones owned a book, Never Greener. That's not a reference to the environment. But the environment is ever on our minds. Let's talk about the plastic. Oh, God. <laughs> they just Jesus Christ. To last they week. did Last week they had a big section about plastics. Oh, with all the... the, the, the yes. They dumped it all in, in the uh, the forecourt, the garage forecourt. They made and, a kind of grotto. And uh, do you know what? I know it's important and I know it's a big issue, but nobody wants to watch it on television. It's really boring. And they can't leave it alone. They keep going back to it. Well, that's the thing. You see, the Charles Brando show that I watched had Baz Luhrmann and Will Young, and like the best, 
one because it's a lottery the one show every day of the week you've mm. got that was a fantastic one because I had loads of showbiz at the end uh, Will Young with his fantastic Bruce Grobbler moustache yeah big song and dance number at the end on the piazza forecourt but sometimes you get a show which is uh, Tuesday's show which was just doom <laughs> Not every show can be showbiz filled. Tuesday's show demonstrated it with every single item. Obesity. Kapow! Type 2 diabetes. People with hand tremors. Hugh Fernley <laughs> Whittingstall. Saving money on car insurance. Jesus. At least I know someone good must have cancelled because you needed someone to balance out all of the doom yeah. in that show. You needed like someone funny and they all look, if they all look at it, it's, it's Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. I know. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't like people like Hugh Fernley Whittingstall doing obesity yeah i think if you're going to do it give it to someone who's obese and i'm yes. not putting myself into the frame here but as as a fat man i don't need people who don't know what it's like to be fat telling me oh you know we're all getting obese and we all need to do this well i tell you what mate I, i'm there and i've done it you wouldn't do a travel program about france with someone who's never been to france yeah hugh fernie whittingstall has never been to the french they country of obesity the, they showed pictures of him when he was fat and i thought He's breathing out that thin line, bastard. <laughs> are you, are you, you yeah. haven't had too many watches a day in your life. Would you do a thing about being persecuted for having no legs with a man who has two legs? Because that is what Hugh Fernley Whittingstall is doing to my people. But I tell you exactly, and I, and I count myself amongst your number. You are welcome in the tribe. Uh, well, not that much room, though. No, no, no. Uh, we better not go into anything <laughs> but, like but, a treehouse. But, but you know what? I mean, the item about obesity... Stop eating the bog butter, is all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Stop pushing that straw down into the earth and... But, um, Sucking up its goodness. <laughs> it's bog buttery goodness. <laughs> but the piece about obesity... Now, speaking as someone who's, you know, who's made factual TV shows and who knows a load of people who, who are those PDs, the producer-directors, who make a lot of these kind of items... Watching the obesity item, it was it was so nearly the perfect item because what you want in an item like that is your contributors to have something very emotional happening. Mm. And then at the very peak of that, just a solitary tear. So you want them to choke up a bit. I mean, tears are your gold dust. Yes. You want them to cry. You want that emotion. It's like you, you hoover it up like a grief vampire mm. when you're making a show. You're behind the camera going, fucking brilliant. <laughs> Keep crying. Don't cut the camera. And and so, But this guy who was crying was saying, oh, no, I got very fat and then I got thin and my wife was very supportive. And then he starts going, don't go yet. <laughs> Don't, this is, don't, this isn't cry. What you want is you want a craggy farmer just with one enigmatic <laughs> tear about the death of his dog. That's proper crying and stuff like that. That's the problem. If you cry too little, it's not emotional enough. But this guy, I mean, because when you're watching, you don't think, oh, that poor man. You just think, I'm going to bloody smother him with a pillow. <laughs> and it's, Which you know, he'll probably eat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to smother it. him with a giant marshmallow just so the joke works. <laughs> I woke up in the morning and all my massive marshmallows, which I keep in a bin by the bed, were gone. Uh, we come to another feature, which we are... We're just throwing them in when we think of them, really. Mm. But this is another fantasy feature. This is, Chris, the... What should Matt Baker do on the piazza slash forecourt? Yes. What would you like to see him do? Do you know what? I'd, I'd like to see him just for the... I'd like to see Alex Jones hosting the show indoors. And I'd just like to see outside, behind the window, I'd just like to see him slowly bricking up. 
slowly bricking up the window behind them. Just, just really, just look like he's really enjoying himself with a small stubby bottle of lager. And those little green light from Alveda's own yeah. pet. Big Geordie just bricklaying it up, just, just so there, so we don't have to see all those sarcastic barriers with no one at them anymore. There was a nice bit this week where uh, this was Harry Hill, and again when they get guests and they're showing guests and trying to get them involved mm. there was a, a whole piece about the invention of the MRI scanner okay and which is one of those oh, things we go oh, that's quite interesting I didn't know where the um, but they, obviously Harry Hill used to be a doctor gotcha. so they've sort of gone oh right this works doesn't it because we've got Harry Hill <laughs> plugging his alien fun capsule but he used to be a doctor so here's the thing about the history of the MRI scanner and again the junior producers who are subverting it I think this was part of that where they had a, a side view of someone in an MRI scanner um, doing various bodily functions, mm-hmm. right, which was all to do with the, the head. And it, what, what, watch this, Harry Hill. What do you think that is? And he was like, well, it's, uh, it was a mouth, clearly a tongue moving around. And they said, well, that's, that's all it looks like when someone swallows. And I was like, right, uh, are you going with this? <laughs> and then the next one, it was a tongue moving quite rapidly. And they said, that's someone tromboning. Fucking what? Literally tromboning. Literally tromboning. So there's someone swallowing and someone tromboning. Mm. And an MRI scan of them doing both. And I'm going... Is there a rimming thing coming on here? Yeah. I don't know. It would be Can cheaper. you teabag in, a, in an MRI scanner? Yeah. It would certainly be cheaper to have used a recorder, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. or, or, a, or a mouth organ. Yeah. I mean, they could have said organ but in organ your mouth. You that would have worked. Yeah. But, yeah. but that is but it's that smacks of junior producer having if fun. If that junior yeah. producer is listening to this, and I'm sure they are because they're, I can't imagine anyone Well who, done, mate. I can't, I can't imagine anyone normal is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But if that junior producer is listening, when they rumble you, Please come on this show. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah. <laughs> you actually, I think we said this last week, but we've, we've kind of invented a podcast here for about a show that people don't watch. In fact, I was going to read, because we got some fan mail right, after the first ever episode uh, last week. Uh, I say fan mail. It was, a, it, was a, it was a tweet. It's a that, summons. It was, <laughs> it was a tweet that just went, I'm listening to the, the One Show show now. I don't watch the One Show. <laughs> But I'm enjoying this uh, because I'm always aware of its malevolent presence. <laughs> uh, from at Permaconfused. David, by the way, who I should name Jeff. Uh, nice. David the floor manager. The fact I'm beginning to learn who the characters are. This is, this is a very worrying sight. <laughs> <The> characters. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we should um, as well talk about things we learned yes. because this is a very positive thing. Yeah, we've talked. I learned about what somebody tromboni looks like from the side in an MRI scanner. <laughs> That's a big learning thing for me this week. I learned that in Wales they don't call it kiss chase; it's called kiss catch. Yes, that's right, yeah. Is it? Kiss Catch? Yeah. Yeah, that came out with Alex. Was it Kiss Catch or Kiss Kutch? Because Kutch is hug in Welsh, isn't it? Is it really? Oh, yes. I think it was Kiss Catch. Alex is saying it's sometimes difficult to work out what the words are. Kiss who? <laughs> kiss. <laughs> I learned that Matt Baker, um, when he was growing up, uh, the airing cupboard was in his bedroom. Yes. I learned that, that he used to put conkers I in. have that in common with Matt Baker. Look at really? that. I imagine, do great, you're a big fan of conkers. I am, I yes. am. I used to play conkers. I used to try and figure out how to make the hardest conker. So I used to yeah. bake them in the oven and I used to yeah. sort of paint them with... Um, vinegar. You know, with vi- well, put, steep them in vinegar yeah. and then yes. put sort of, uh, you know, varnish on them as well. Whatever, yeah. all illegal, I think. Yeah. But, well, not um, think, is it? You surely knew you're not allowed to varnish. <laughs> I was massively so fortunate to have... Did you dip them in have... concrete? Just let it dry? I didn't dip them in concrete. <laughs> I, just, well, I just painted them with whatever I thought I could get I had the airing cupboard in my bedroom. Honestly, it was so exciting. I used to ra- line them all up. Rack- anyway, we're not playing Congress tonight. I learned uh, on Tuesday's show that uh, people in a certain Welsh town 
don't give a shit about a strand that's gone to see them uh, telling them how to save money because they already have. There was, there was a strand called Who Saves Wins... Pun doesn't work <laughs> because what I in the, who what is it who saves it's because it's who so it doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Anymore. This it was the worst camera work I've <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. It looked like I shot it, <laughs> drunk. Pete, there was two um, one show presenters, part of the very extended family you only see at Christmas of the one show family, <laughs> and they went to this little Welsh town. They're going, we're here to see who can save. The consumers of this little Welsh village the most money. And the first thing they did was went around this little old lady's house and he went, Well, I, I tried to tell uh, this lady, Stephanie, let's say, the Stephanie ever had to save money, but it turns out she already knew. So, thanks, <laughs> Stephanie. And I was thinking, What the fuck did you keep it for then? Why have you done this? Why, and I was, just, I, was, I was shouting the telly, Why have you done this? And I would say, in a high octave, shouting, Why have you done this? isn't the kind of thing you should be doing at BBC Primetime Entertainment. Why have you done this? <laughs> uh, we need to come to any other business. So we've covered a lot of it off. I mm. think we've we've you know rammed our way through. So anything we've missed out, any other thoughts and things you've taken away from this week's The One Show shows? Yeah, there's one thing we didn't mention, which which I, I do feel needs mentioning, is Dame Stephanie Shirley, the lady who set up her company. They uh, did a little interview with her after the piece, and Matt uh, and Alex asked her what, she was most proud of in the charitable work she'd done and she said oh I've set up a school and she said the line it has a robot to help with pupils because a robot never gets tired <laughs> and credit to the presenters who at no point went sorry what what the fuck what, what the fuck have you done <laughs> they let that slide so there is a school somewhere with a robot in it that never gets tired that teaches the pupils and they didn't think that that was worth picking up on <laughs> It's all I've thought about since I watched that show. I don't know what to say. That's going to haunt me. I know. She's basically Skynet, that woman. Yeah. She, yeah. Think about it all the evidence. It never gets tired. She, It'll be its perfect father. She, <laughs> she started this thing in the 60s, right, where women are... are programming yeah. right. and now all of her life's work has culminated I, in a robot I spent, that never stops I spent 55 years just keeps on making coming. a 85 foot tall headmistress from the 40s <laughs> and now my plan has come to fruition <laughs> the prototype was Pink Floyd's The Wall in the live show <laughs> for many years I've helped many people but now my revenge will be complete and total <laughs> one day they'll all pay well, we look forward to seeing that. <laughs> now, who likes a crunchy apple? <laughs> so uh, that's uh, the second episode of the, the the One Show Show. If you'd like to review it, comment and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, rate, review. Desperate and, podcasters and, always and say and this comment. at the end but, but, of podcasts. But thank you very much to the people who have accidentally listened to this. It's in, in the first week, it went to the top five yeah. of the TV and films, podcast and iTunes. And we do actually appreciate it. I know we sound like we're just keen on burning things to the ground. But, uh, hey, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. We certainly do. And now we will indeed play you out with the shots. I've never been accused of being too footloose, but there's something about tonight. Moving in the first degree. GreatBigOwl.com When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.